welcome to the 10 Things to Tell You podcast. I'm Laura Tremaine, and I always have at least 10 things to tell you, and you have 10 things to tell. This is a show where we believe that sharing yourself will make you less lonely. So I realized recently that it has been a long time since I have talked about anxiety on this show, or any kind of mental health, really, which is interesting because this is something that I have talked about a lot over the years. It's been a big part of my life, a big part of the messages that I want to get out when I talk to other women because I want people to feel seen and known. I want to destigmatize what happens with mental health, like not just talking about it in vague terms, but really talking about the specifics and what it looks like and what it feels like and how it affects our lives. This is something that I have been pretty interested in sharing about in my own life for as long as I've been online. And part of that is because I'm really open about having struggled with anxiety my whole entire life since I was a child. I write In my book, my first book, Share Your Stuff, I'll Go First, I write pretty candidly about, as a child, how I pulled my hair out at the root until I had bald spots all over my head. And that is one of the stories in Share Your Stuff that got the most reaction. So many people reached out to talk about the fact that I had shared that, to say that they also pulled their hair out or they had a kiddo who pulled their hair out and this made them feel like it was going to be okay, even though that in particular is a pretty hard thing to deal with. It's also something that we can talk about. So I do like sharing about mental health stuff because I think it's important. I guess like sharing it isn't the best way to put it, but I do think it's important to share it. And so I always have. And then I just realized that I haven't so much in a while. And it's not because there isn't always mental health stuff going on with all of us pretty frequently. I think it's really vital that we keep our pulse on sort of what's going on with us and also our loved ones. But I think a big reason that I haven't talked about it so much is because it has changed for me kind of radically, but definitely not overnight. I am 44 years old, and I would say that my 40s in terms of mental health have been the most surprising decade. And I feel like A lot of people aren't talking about this. And so I wanted to do an episode where I shared some things with you about what my anxiety looks like right now in contrast to how it has looked in the past and some of the surefire reasons that I think it has changed and then, you know, some of just my own guesses because I guess I can't know for sure every single piece of this. It's also very important for me to say at the top that I am not a doctor. (laughs) I am not a therapist. I am not giving you medical advice at all. This episode, these stories, they are purely anecdotal. They are purely my own 
personal experience. I am pro whatever helps you on your mental health journey. I'm pro medication, therapy, exercise, meditation. There are so many tools in our belts and so much information available to us that I want everyone to, you know, take their own health seriously and take their own health in their own hands. For me, I am sharing this with you so that you can maybe relate, you know, you can feel like you're not alone in whatever your path looks like, so that you can share it with someone who you think might relate. Maybe it'll give you insight to someone who might be going through something similar. Or maybe you're behind me by a few years or ahead of me by a few years, and this will give you some insight. That's all this is. This is personal experience, so please don't take it for anything more than that. But first, if you haven't been listening long or haven't been reading me online or my books or anything for very long, then I'm just going to give a brief explanation for my own anxiety story. I'll also link to a few episodes that go a little deeper on on certain aspects of this. But as I already said, I had a ton of anxiety in my childhood. In fact, it's one of the most defining parts of my childhood, which I'm sure is maybe devastating for my parents to hear because I grew up in a loving home, in a great community, you know, lots of reasons for there to be a perfect childhood. And in many ways, there were so many wonderful things about my childhood, but I did have a lot of anxiety. I had a lot of fear all the time. And if this is you or if you live with a kiddo with anxiety, you know that this can be so debilitating because not only do you have whatever is going on inside of you, but you also have no control or very little control over the treatment or the lack of treatment because you are, of course, dependent on grownups. And I was a child in the 80s in a very small town in Oklahoma, and getting help for mental health was not the conversation that it is now obviously. I also came from sort of a long line of anxious people. So it was sort of part of our family identity. I mean, identity makes it sound like something to be proud of, but it was really just sort of part of the DNA. It wasn't a surprise that I was an anxious little kid. And it was just sort of seen as part of my personality, I suppose. And what it looked like back then was I had some sensory issues with the types of clothes I would or would not wear. I pulled my hair out, as I mentioned. That was probably the biggest and most obvious symptom. And another big thing was I had a lot of food aversions. Now, now I can see that this was just part of the sensory thing as well. Like I really didn't like my food to touch or be mixed up because I really only wanted to have like one texture in my mouth at a time kind of thing. So that's also sensory, but it was 
a very big deal. The food thing was a very big deal in my family for a really long time. And that was one of the things that my parents did accommodate. You know, my mom was not trying to hurt me or stress me out in any way. So she would often make side food for me, which it's always hurtful for me when I see that painted as spoiling a child to make them separate food or something like that when that was one of the biggest acts of care was she made food so that I was able to eat. Otherwise, I would be absolutely unable to eat. And she knew that, you know. So that's what it looked like when I was a kid. As I got a bit older in, you know, high school, college, it looked a little more traditional. And by that, I just mean some, you know, things that were easier to point out or talk about, you know, like some social anxiety things. And like, I didn't like being in crowds or loud spaces. But it wasn't really extreme on that level. And it could kind of also be read as just I'm an introvert. I like to be alone. I like a lot of quiet. That piece of it has never really affected my life too much. Then there was the things like stress around finals and you know, deadlines or the stress of teenagery things. It was normal circumstances that I would probably have an outsized reaction to and not necessarily just like normal teenage drama reaction, but like, you know, I had some circumstances in high school where my body absolutely flipped out on me and I got an ulcer in my esophagus. I had mouth sores throughout my mouth. I was really struggling inside and it just came out to my outsides with just these very unusual symptoms that are clear as day to me now as as sort of stress symbols, which is sometimes hard to untangle from a normal stress reaction to mental health complications. I couldn't untangle them all now. You know, they're all sort of woven together. The same was true in college. But I was always seeking some kind of peace. I really had to work at finding some kind of peace. There was just a lot of racing thoughts, racing heart, which then becomes really hard to like stay in a room when your body is in full fight or flight. And even if it wasn't like an absolute panic attack, it was just a low key vibration of stress. It was just very difficult for me to find peace sometimes. I did have my first true panic attack when I was a teenager. I actually thought I was dying. Like I thought I was having a heart attack. My heart was racing to a kind of scary degree. I was at home alone at my parents' house and that was terrifying. One of the things that came into play then and that would come into play for many years and and maybe affects you is of course hormones. Hormones have such an effect on anxiety and of course in the teenage years and then what would eventually become like PMS, hormone stuff, and then postpartum, all of the ups and downs of hormones, riding that wave, just wreaked havoc on 
my mental health. And I really feel like that's an overlooked thing with women of something we're just supposed to deal with. But it's just another symptom like cramps or something that you're just supposed to take on every few weeks. And it can just be scary and debilitating and all of those things. Once I moved to Los Angeles after college, by that time, it was starting to become much more (laughs) commonplace to talk about anxiety. This is in the early 2000s. And I felt very comfortable, almost relieved to openly share with anybody about mental health stuff because I was so happy that I didn't have to keep this secret anymore. (laughs) And I hadn't necessarily worn it like a secret, but I just felt it didn't set me apart in a bad way. That it was full circle moment going back to the way my parents had always treated me, that it was just like part of who I am. And that wasn't anything to be ashamed of. It wasn't anything to hide. It was part of me, and so I talked about it like you would talk about any other part of your genetic makeup. And what was interesting was you would have thought, just as an outside observer, from a bird's eye view, you would have thought that you know moving across the country with barely any savings, without a life plan, without a job, that that would be a recipe for mental health disaster for someone who had gone through definitely some times of fragility in college where I just, you know, wasn't quite sure what the next step was going to be. You would have thought that making such a bold move like that would be, you know, a disaster, but it was anything but. And that's one of the times when I started to realize that actually making big, bold moves or really taking control of my life in that way did bring me some of the peace that I was seeking. And I think that that feels like the opposite in our heads, like that we have to have a really controlled environment in order to stay calm. And and I, I get that. But also for me, sort of forward movement, feeling productive, feeling again like I had some kind of control. When before that, you know, before young adulthood, I had not felt like I had any say in a lot of ways in my life. You know, you're under your parents' roof, then you're under your college rules, you're under your church mandates. You have to live in accordance of something that someone else has set for you in every aspect, in every area. At least that's how I felt. And so getting what I viewed as freedom moving to L.A., with no oversight, (laughs) that freedom, attaining that level of freedom was actually really helpful for my anxiety. Even as I acknowledge now that I was hardly under anyone's thumb, you know, I did not have domineering, you know, dominating parents. I had not had an overly rigid college experience. You know, so a lot of this is just the cages we build for ourselves. And when I felt free of that for whatever reason, it was one of the most formative times of my life. I can see that now. My 20s were full of normal life stresses. 
work, trying to find a career, dating, etc. And so generally, I had some ups and downs, but none just incredibly dramatic, you know, not too much of a roller coaster until I was postpartum with my first baby, Lucy. And my kids are only two years apart. And the years following their births, the years when I had little bitty kids, was absolutely, so far, the hardest season of my life in general, but especially from a mental health standpoint. I was not okay on and off. And I have some regrets about that period. I wish that I had taken medication then. I really white-knuckled it for much longer than was necessary. And, you know, it has left me with some regret. I feel like I look back on that time, and as hard as it was, I wish that I had different memories from how I was feeling with these beautiful babies. It was really hard. And I will never stop telling women to not white knuckle that season. There's so much help available to us. And I want women to take advantage of it and not just think that postpartum is just part of the gig and everybody has to write it out because it just doesn't have to be that way. What it looked like for me in that season is anger. I feel like I had postpartum anxiety that exhibited itself as postpartum anger. And I did not like feeling angry all the time. And I also didn't see it very clearly. I sort of thought, well, I mean, everybody's grumpy sometimes, plus I have these little bitty kids, right? Like, (laughs) it's a hard season. And I had people in my life, friends, my sister, who pointed out that I, I seemed to have tipped over into not a normal amount of emotion or roller coasterness or simply I just wasn't feeling like myself to them. And guess how I responded to them? In anger. Yeah. I was mad that they were pointing out something that I felt like you were supposed to just white knuckle your way through. But my kids got better. I started going to therapy. That survival instinct of having teeny tiny kids, of course, ebbed as they grew. And then I did sort of have a few years there that were quote unquote normal, at least on my sort of lifetime scale of I had some hard seasons. You know, I had some beautiful, wonderful seasons. You know, I had some hormone stuff. We had life stressors. Like we had a chunk of time in there that was the normal ups and downs of life and my anxiety responded as such. Even though, of course, side note to say, sometimes you can have all kinds of mental health issues that have absolutely no correspondence to what's going on in your life. Because that's how mental health works. You can have a chemical imbalance. You can be unable to control how your hormones are affecting you. It can just be the way you're built, the way you're aging, the way your diet or exercise, you know, external environmental 
factors may contribute. I mean, there's just so many layers here. That's why I'm only telling my story. I could never talk about how this works for anyone else. But I guess what I'm saying is I had some years in my 30s that felt normal for my own baseline. With sunshine, outdoor activities, and so many fun things to do outside, it is impossible not to enjoy all of these good weather days up ahead. Of course, we all know that more sun and fun means more sweating, and yes, more odor. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Lumi. Lumi is the first of its kind in the full-body deodorant world and is seriously safe to use on any and every part of your body. It was created by an OBGYN who saw firsthand how regular body odor was being misdiagnosed and mistreated. I especially love that Lumi deodorant is baking soda and paraben-free. It is also pH-balanced for safe use on all areas of your body. You can choose from a variety of fresh scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, and toasted coconut. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice, like a mini body wash or deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code U at lumideodorant.com. That equates to 40% off your starter pack when you visit Lumi, L-U-M-E, deodorant, D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T, Dot com and use code U, Y-O-U. It's not every day that you find a product that you truly love and want to shout about from the rooftops. Well, friends, I have found something that I am genuinely excited to share with you today, and that is Born Shoes. Born Shoes are made with the best top quality leather with functional stitching and flexibility. They are lightweight, but they're also supportive. They are great for all casual occasions, extremely comfortable, and especially good for travel. The brand recently gifted me a pair of the Ithaca style sandals. Of course, they are beautiful. The footbed has extra foam for added comfort and with a slight heel for lift. I am positive that I could walk all over London in this pair of shoes, just like I did in my Born sandals last summer. Born Shoes offers sandals, flats, boots, and heels in several styles and color choices. Take comfort in Born Shoes. Every season, they make high-quality shoes that feel as good as they look. With artistic touches, unparalleled craftsmanship, and exquisite materials, Born designs shoes to satisfy the demands of every lifestyle. Go to bornshoes.com for a 15% discount plus free ground shipping on all full-price shoes when you use my promo code TELL. That's born, B-O-R-N, shoes, S-H-O-E-S, dot com and use promo code TELL, T-E-L-L, for 15% off and free shipping, available exclusively to our listeners for a limited time. That brings us to my 40s, when I realized as I look back that at some point there was a shift, an imperceptible shift at first, that now I am looking back upon where a lot of my mental health issues changed. And I have a few reasons why I think. And again, I'm sharing this for you to be thinking through maybe what has changed for you or what you want to change. Or if you're younger than me, maybe looking ahead and this provides a little bit of light. If you're older than me, maybe this will be very familiar to you. But the first thing I'm going to talk about is something I talk about every single time I discuss my own anxiety, and that is sleep. Sleep changed 
radically for me, guess when? In the pandemic. So I'm not going to take any sort of silver lining of the pandemic. I'm not, that's not the angle I'm taking. But from a personal level of radical life change starting spring of 2020, sleep was it for me and my family. So prior to that, both my kids were in elementary school when the pandemic hit. And prior to that, they both had to be on the bus at like 7.15, I think, in the morning. And so I spent, you know, after the years of little kidness where they wake at the crack of dawn, even once they were school age, our family had to get up at 6 a.m. That's not a particularly crazy schedule for little kid life or school age kid life. It's early, but it's doable. But for the fact that I am a natural night owl and also was back then still doing this same work, writing, podcasting, all the things. And I often worked until nearly midnight every night, just the way that our life schedule was. I would work in the mornings. I would do the mom thing in the afternoons. And then I would return to my computer after dinner almost every night and work until 11 p.m. or midnight That was what was required to get all the things in to my life that I wanted to get in. And so I was getting roughly six hours of sleep a night in these school age years with some rare exceptions. And then when schools closed because of the pandemic, my kids were schooling from home and they had to log in at I think it was 8.20 a.m., Well, you know, our household, that means we were getting up at like 7.45 a.m. So I was getting almost two hours more of sleep every single day. And I cannot overstate this change in me. I mean, I noticed it, you know, probably a few weeks in and then definitely a few months in. I was like a different person. I was like a different person. I was less on edge. I was less riding the waves of emotion or hormones or moods or anything. I was so much steadier, calmer. That peace I'd always been seeking was easier to come by when I wasn't exhausted. And exhausted isn't even the right word. We need a word for like sustained chronic fatigue. When that started to change within me, There was so, it was so dramatic that I knew I could never go back. Like I already started to do the math on, I can never go back to a decade of sleep deprivation. I can't do it. It had happened slowly as things do, like you descend into sleep deprivation when you become a parent. And then in a regular timeline, I'm sure maybe it also sort of, you transition out of it slowly. But in our situation, like school was in one day and out the next day for a year, I went that long getting eight hours of sleep a night, sometimes even more because, again, pandemic, our schedules were so weird. We were also going to bed earlier and then sleeping later. So it was one of the most radical physical transformations. I loved everybody so much more (laughs) when... I had rested. I loved myself more. I had clarity. I had so much personal growth in that time. And of course, you can't like extricate whatever personal growth was happening 
on a global level and how that was impacting us. And then also what we're the, the changes that are happening within our own bodies and households and spirits. You can't like piece out every single thread. But let me tell you right now that the sleep piece is huge, huge. I was 40 that year. And so it was also probably, I'm sure, being affected by, you know, aging and some of those changes. But the getting enough sleep became a really, really big deal. And I could not deny how good it was for me in a way that I then had to adjust even once the kids went back to school. I had to prioritize it in a way that I hadn't before. And then not because of my sleep schedule, but just because of life, we also moved houses and were closer to the kids' school so they weren't getting on the bus as early our life and family rhythms just looked a little different on on several different fronts. But still, I was getting more sleep than I ever have. And that has made all the difference. I know that people don't want it to be as simple as that. I know some people want a different magical answer. But for me personally, the thing that has come the closest to a magical change in my mental health, and I should specifically say to my anxiety, because I'm actually going to talk about depression here in a second, and it's different. They're not the same thing. Sometimes I think that they're used hand in hand, but there are some radical differences, and I understand why getting a lot of sleep might make those two things look different, looks different on a person who is depressed versus a person who battles anxiety. But Getting enough sleep, which you can't always control, or you can't always feel like you can make the proper adjustments because of your life schedule, work schedule, kids schedule. It would I wouldn't have made any adjustments on purpose. My kids had to get on the bus at a certain time, and I had to work till midnight. Like it's just <laughs> I couldn't figure out, or I put no effort into figuring out because I didn't realize how crucial it was how to make that look different. It took a radical life change for that to be forced upon me. And then for me to see the difference that it made. So that's the first thing, sleep. I could honestly preach about this all day. It's that important. The second thing is magnesium. So I started taking magnesium daily. I think it was in 2021 because I think it was when I moved to this house. So when we changed houses, a few different things changed. And I don't remember taking it or at least not consistently in the other house. And now it's so important to me, it like has a special place in the cabinet. I have like a whole evening kind of ritual that includes taking my magnesium right before bed. And I did not have that in the other house. So I know for sure that in earnest, I started taking magnesium every single night. If I miss it, I definitely feel it. So I started doing this in 2023, mid 2023, at least. So it's been a few years now. I started doing it. I can't remember exactly where I had heard to do that. It might have been on the Sort of Awesome podcast. Or more likely, I had some other health things going on in 2021. There was a lot of stress that year. I launched a book. We moved houses. There was some extended family things that were really, really taking a lot out of me on a heart, spiritual level. And I was having symptoms that year, 2021, that I had never had before. So I was having heart pain. 
I went and got a bunch of tests because I was worried I was having like an actual heart problem. I was not. I had some allergic reactions and some other things. I also had a concussion. That year, mid-2021, I fell outside while playing with my family and knocked myself out on the brick patio. It was terrible. I didn't even realize the effect that it was going to have at all. So anyway, all that. I was having a lot going on <laughs> in 2021, which as you'll recall, at the end of 2021 is when I put this show on pause. I took, I took all of 2022 off to get myself together after the experience of 2021. I was also writing a book, but I just couldn't juggle all the things because I was struggling. But at the time, I would not have classified it as struggling with anxiety because it was all these other things that were different. I mean, I don't think that that was strictly anxiety. There was a lot going on. And I just threw everything but the kitchen sink at it, including acupuncture and including nightly magnesium. And a lot of things worked. I also still swear by acupuncture, actually. But I get it irregularly and cannot point to it in the same way that I can point to the magnesium as something that made such a difference that when I travel or forget to take it or whatever, not just if I just miss one day, it's okay. But if I miss it a few days in a row, I absolutely feel it. Magnesium is calming. It helps me sleep, which having better sleep we've already covered in great detail. <laughs> it helps with your digestion, which not to get too graphic here on a podcast, but that can also for me be a symptom of my anxiety is that I get real, real paralyzed inside my body. My digestive tract just stops. Magnesium helps with that. And while there are some mixed reviews medically, I tried to look up some specific studies to point you towards if you wanted to learn a bit more about the magnesium thing, but it seems like there's some mixed reviews on it. I feel for me personally that it was not a placebo effect in any way because in that season where I was, like I said, throwing everything but the kitchen sink at my physical and emotional struggles of 2021, I was doing very few things super consistently. And I was not putting a ton of credence into the magnesium thing. Like I was just doing all the things. So even though I was doing it nightly, it took me months, I think, literally months, maybe even before I realized, oh, that that was the thing that was making a difference. I could feel a difference. I knew that I was calmer and having a little more clarity, definitely sleeping better, definitely flowing better. And I almost feel like I could be misremembering this, but I almost feel like somebody mentioned it on social media, said it on social media. And I had a, that, that they were also taking magnesium and it was having X, Y, and Z effect. And I had a light bulb moment of being like, oh, is that the thing that's working the best? <laughs> Even though I had been taking it for months. But please know, I was in a little bit of a weird state. And once I noticed it, I was like, yes, this is the thing or one of the things in my routine now that I am going to stick to. It's inexpensive. It's available. I can remember to do it. And it has made a huge difference in my life. 
Y'all know that I love to play games on my phone to unwind, and I am always looking for a new one to download. And I recently ran across Two Dots, and I want to tell you about it. Two Dots is a free-to-download, puzzle-based game that involves connecting dots through relaxing puzzles while unlocking levels and collecting prizes along the way. There are different gameplay modes to make the experience unique and exciting with every single puzzle. There are over five thousand distinct puzzles with various power-ups and special dots ready to earn as you move through the levels. The in-app music and visually stimulating interface provide a soothing experience when you just want to relax and unwind. Not only is Two Dots free to download, but it can also be played without internet connection. So playing on the go offline is a breeze. And if you don't want to play alone, you can challenge your friends on Facebook, as well as connect with the larger Two Dots community for even more engagement. If you're looking for the perfect game to help you relax, but also keep you engaged, download Two Dots for free on Android and iOS. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Next, we have meditation, which, you know, I shared a lot more about meditation on episode 203, Meditation for Beginners, with my meditation teacher, Lori Cousins, who came in. We talked about meditation together. But it's not just the sitting in meditation, although I do like that and, and that has become a practice for me. It has been more about all that meditation has brought me outside of the actual sitting. The actual meditation part is important, but it's also all these other things sort of in the constellation around the meditation, which is basically just to say mindfulness, intense mindfulness, which I also got into around this same time. So as I'm talking through this, I realized that Some of these things I do think are about my 40s, and the last thing I'm going to share here is definitely about about being in my 40s, but also some of these things came after a pretty major life change for me that year that I moved and wrote a book and the pandemic hit and and other things that sort of happened four years ago. (laughs) I'm 44. So is it about our age or our exact number, or is it about kind of milestones in our life and when things happen, that there's a before and an after, and what it has changed inside of you has affected so many things, including, of course, your mental health or the way that you care for your mental health. Because before all of these things, with decades of anxiety behind me, where I had tried all kinds of different things, but I had not been serious about a meditation practice before I turned 40. I definitely had not been prioritizing my sleep. I for sure wasn't taking magnesium. So it it, it may be about our age or it may be just about when we really get into a place where we can take some of these things seriously or where we're able to change them. There are seasons in your life where you are literally unable to change your sleep for all kinds of reasons, your work schedule, your kids' ages, illness, 
But I did started really implementing these changes in my 40s. And lo and behold, if they haven't had a really major difference to the point that when I have anxious episodes, I sort of call them episodes before they get to full-blown panic attacks because I can kind of see a panic attack coming from miles away, meaning a couple of hours away, if not a couple of days away, when I can start to feel like I am on edge in a way that is a sign and a warning that I need to make some changes or pay a lot of attention. And if I feel it coming, sometimes I will tell Jeff, my husband, hey, I am not doing great. I really need to get a lot of sleep this week, or I really need to dial back my schedule. I really need, you know, a little bit of extra help or whatever I need to sort of tell him. Those episodes, which used to be, I don't know, pretty frequent, like once a month, once every other month, have really gone to being months and months apart, maybe once a quarter, which is a radical change for me. And I have not had, I don't want to jinx it, you know, I get nervous about talking about this stuff sometimes, but I have not had regular panic attacks in years. And, uh, you know, I have had one in the last several months and it was scary and awful. And, you know, the older you get, they're almost a little bit harder to come back from, to bounce back from. But the infrequency of them has been such a relief that it really is notable. So the meditation thing, which I, again, talked about at length in episode 203, matters. And alongside that, what also really matters has just been general mindfulness, which is being very present in the moment, noticing when I need to put my phone down, turn the music off, dial in, have some quiet, get some rest, be very present in the room that I'm in, that is a biggie. And that is ongoing. And I have to work at it, but not as much as I used to have to work at it. In my 30s in particular, my anxiety led to a ton of dissociation. Like I had a really hard time being in the moment. I would pay attention like I was recording my favorite show. (laughs) My own life was my own favorite show, but I wasn't really there. And I would relive the day when I was alone or at night when I was trying to go to sleep or when I was driving in quiet or something. But I would replay it back like I was watching my own life, like I was thinking about that interaction or how fun it was to be at the kid's game or anything like that. And now I practice presence in a really different way where I try not to dissociate. I try to be present in my real life in the actual time and not be recording it like I'm a DVR myself. And that was really hard for me at first. I'd gotten so used to dissociation and sort of checking out and not being present with people. It was easier for me to be present online than it was in person for a few years there. And so when I decided to take mindfulness more seriously, which was at least four or five years ago, it was harder at first. But I did get a lot of joy out of it. I did see immediate results. And that is one of the you know major things that has changed in my life in my 40s. Yes, mental health. Yes, anxiety. But just everything. It has bettered my relationships. It's been good for my career. It's been just 
a huge and wonderful and crucial piece to my overall well-being and life story, this mindfulness thing, that it has affected every single aspect of my life, including and especially my general anxiety levels. Okay, and then lastly, we have life experience. (laughs) I finally feel like I can say this without totally laughing because in all other parts of my life, if you had said some of this stuff about aging and anxiety, I, I just wouldn't have believed you. Again, it's been a part of my life for so long. It's been part of who I am that I really would not have thought that the aging piece would affect it. But it really has. This is one of the things that I'm sharing. This is the one that I don't know how universal it is. So sleep, magnesium, meditation and mindfulness, those are all things that anyone at any age can kind of keep in their back pocket, you know, as something to use or try. Life experience requires just a certain amount of birthdays. And on the one hand, yes, time teaches. And on the other hand, I do think it sort of depends on what sort of anxiety you are struggling with. So a lot of people do not have that childhood anxiety piece that I have. In fact, most women that I speak to, anxiety is new to them in adulthood. A lot of times it was kicked off postpartum. Again, hormones are so underrated here of how that can affect you. Or they had something really be hard in their life. Grief, divorce, bankruptcy, you know, moving away from loved ones, like the things that can happen in adulthood that can really kick off some real mental health struggles. That seems to be more common to the women that I'm talking to versus someone like me that has had it their whole life. And so I do not know where age plays into all of these things I'm about to say. But for me, my 40s, and I hope I have many, many decades to come to learn this over and over again. But for me, my 40s have been a relaxing into myself in a way I didn't even know was possible. And tied up in these things is the pandemic and my kids getting older and achieving some lifelong dreams and and other external things. But there is an internal thing in myself in my 40s that is such a balm to my anxiety because my lifelong anxiety is steeped in control issues and fear, so much fear. I've spent my whole life afraid. And sometimes these were valid fears, but mostly they were just unknowns. And that was so, so scary to me. There are things about aging, not that aging isn't scary, but that releases some of those fears. Like there is sometimes a tipping point, not in all things, not that we can't all get wrecked by a surprise, But there are some things that you have lived long enough to know that you're going to get through something, that what goes around comes around, that this too shall pass, 
that karma is your boyfriend. I mean, all the sayings. You are going to get through things and you start to feel an inner strength, an inner resiliency. Maybe you start to feel an inner fatigue and you just don't have the actual energy for drama or BS, right? Like there is this thing that has transpired in me over the last few years since I turned 40 that just is like, yeah, it's going to be okay. And if it's not going to be okay, well, then that's going to be okay too. (laughs) And I've actually asked myself if that's laziness or if that's the opposite of thoughtfulness, like if I don't care enough about certain things that I used to care deeply about, if I should be more worked up or stressed or fearing like I used to certain things. And I do just feel like this is the life experience piece that we all witness in people older than us and that we just don't understand till we get there. I mean, how many times have you talked about something big and important and scary and hard and awful with an older person and they don't seem to be acting as freaked out or as dramatic or any emotion as you are because they're sort of like, well, these things happen (laughs) or whatever. I'm just, this is like a general feeling, but I never thought I would get there because I thought that it was maybe a personality type, not totally realizing that there is a life experience piece to how you deal with anything. And it's not everything. Like, please hear me that there are plenty of things that are worth feeling all the range of emotions deeply about. Of course, there are. And, you know, that has no age. Heartbreak has no age. Things like that. But there are other more everyday things or relational things or career things, you know, or even parenting or marriage things that I feel like okay, you know, this is just a season or this is a lesson I've already learned. You know, here we go again, or I refuse to do that again. And I wouldn't have had that perspective 10 years ago and certainly not 20 years ago. Everything felt like a big deal. Everything felt precious and important. And to tie this to the anxiety piece of it all, when I relaxed into myself and my life and my strengths and my knowledge of who I am, even though I continue to become that person and I continue to uncover who I am, there's a core knowing in my 40s that has always been there, but maybe I'm a little bit more in touch with. And that knowledge is so soothing to the anxious little girl I started out as. Because the fear of the known isn't as wholly unknown as it used to be. There are just so many more knowns now. And so I don't know what you want to call that, if you want to call that maturity or confidence. I don't feel old. Like I said, I hope I have so many other seasons of my life to go through and lessons to learn and parts of myself to uncover. I really do hope that. But I do feel like... There is a mile marker somewhere here in these early 40s of just sort of noticing like, huh, I have come a long way and I've done it. And for the pieces of my mental health that are not hormonal or are not 
out of my control, the pieces of my mental health that I am able to see and adjust, like environmental factors, like sleep, some practices and rituals and habits, like the meditation, the magnesium. When you combine all of it and then add it to the aging part, I've come to a place where my anxiety in my 40s looks really different. And I'm taking note of it. And I am appreciating all that I've learned about my mental health, about taking care of myself, about wrapping up that little girl who pulled her hair out bald and telling her that it's going to get better. This feels like a triumph to me. And it also just feels like who I am. Now, as I record this, I am nervous to say some of these things out loud. It's like you don't want to tell people that you've just had great luck because you're then worried you're going to get hit by a bus right after you say that, because that seems to be the way of the universe sometimes. And so I'm mindful, even as I say these words to you, that it's making me a little bit nervous to acknowledge that my anxiety in my 40s has changed. But it's also, as I've given you hints, throughout this episode, it doesn't mean things have been great in my 40s in all areas at all times every day. There have been other things. There has been other health stuff. There has been some touches of what I think might have been depression, which is not the same as anxiety. It doesn't feel the same in my body. It's definitely something that has to be looked at and dealt with. There has been grief. There has also been joy and that ever elusive thing that I sought for so long. Peace. Some peace in my 40s that was unattainable to me for almost all of my 30s and most of my 20s. And that, my friends, I really do think is primarily aging, the peace, but the other factors are not nothing. And I wanted to share them with you. I would be so curious to hear if you will share In the comments of the social media post or wherever you see me talking about this this week, what anxiety has looked like for you in your 40s or any of your mental health stuff or any of just your stage of life things? I do think when we share these stories of this is how it felt then, this is how it feels now, it can be so helpful to others. I remember years ago when I was talking about anxiety on a podcast, I mentioned that one of my symptoms was an inability to complete a yawn. Like I can't yawn all the way when I'm having a lot of anxiety. My chest gets so constricted that I actually just, I like don't breathe normally. I cannot complete a yawn. I said that sort of in passing, or I mean, I was just talking about symptoms. So many people responded to that. They did not know that that was actually a thing, but that they have it too. No one had ever told them that that might be tied to anxiety or their mental health. And then I had a doctor come forward and say, yes, this is an actual like thing that's happening in your body. I don't want to muck it up. But I just felt very validated from this very small thing that I said that other people really responded to. So I do like sharing those types of specifics. I love it when you share those types of specifics because it's one thing to just vaguely say that we have anxiety struggles or depression struggles or mental health struggles without saying exactly how it feels so that other people can relate and notice 
what their symptoms are or how it might be tied or, again, how their loved one might be feeling occasionally. So this was my update episode for you on that, on anxiety in my 40s. We are not going to let the fear of the universe ripping this out from under our feet scare me into (laughs) publishing this episode because I do love sharing these personal things with you. So thank you for listening. I hope this has inspired you to talk a little bit more about what your mental health feels like right now with someone you love or online. We always have our 10 things to tell. And for me, this is one of them. So thanks for listening, friends. Now go share something.